Welcome, everybody. It's Draft Politics, episode 37. It's EJ with you, as always. And Steve here. Uh, yeah, we're uh, busy celebrating our coming domain name anniversary. Yes, we got the official notice that our domain name's expiring because we've had it for just about a year now. I know. It's amazing. My price went up from the $3 introductory price to $12. But you know what? You're worth it, everybody. So we'll keep paying if you keep listening. <laughs> and read us on iTunes. And read us on iTunes. Yeah. I, I, I have to say you it know, was a little exciting. You know, when are we going to change it over yeah. to Apple Podcasts? Because that's what it is now. Is that really? It's, it's technically, yeah, it's Apple Podcasts. I, I don't know. I haven't owned an Apple device in well, that's a true. long time. He's, yeah, you're the, you're the oddball that way. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. Hmm. iTunes, I think, is better. We'll just call it iTunes. Or Apple Podcasts. Or I, Apple Podcasts. I just looked at our little table tent here, and it says Apple Podcasts on there. Well, there so. you go. He got it right on the table tents, but I made notice. the table tent. I didn't <laughs> even read it. There you go. So there's your, there's your little inside baseball uh, for the day. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's weird that it was, you know, we, we had a primary election, and we had a primary, the first primary of the, the 2020 season, and... You know, some firings and things, but it felt like a pretty slow news week. Well, this is the interesting thing. I think it's like now that impeachment is done, it feels like a whole like chunk of the news cycle just went away. And yes, there's a lot going on as I like went through and put together the outline. Uh, there's plenty here, but it just feels a little less insane. It does. It feels a little less insane. But it isn't we'll less insane. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll start off uh, now that impeachment is done. Because it's never really done. No. Uh, we've got the beginning of Trump's revenge tour, uh, where he went around and fired a bunch of people who pissed him off during impeachment. Because uh, firing them during impeachment might have looked bad and might have cost him a single vote from a Republican senator, I assume. But, uh, yeah, he fired uh, Gordon Sondland. Uh, you you got to love that, too. Yeah. And I guess the senators, Republican senators, were trying to stop him from firing Gordon Sondland. Right. Because he got he's a, he bought his job, you know. I mean, he's, well, he's a, a mega big Republican donor. donor. Like, yeah, you don't want, you don't want to piss him off. No, no. Hey, 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 man. I know he testified against you, but hey, right. The money is the thing here, right. guys. The money's the thing because they don't think they had any such predilections with Alexander Vindman. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, firing Alexander Vindman, like, oh, that's not a surprise. The dick move was firing his twin brother, Yevgeny, which no had nothing to do with any of this. Just Trump just being a dick. <laughs> or, or Trump is like, that guy's everywhere. <laughs> like, right. Didn't realize I it was two people. I thought we fired him. No, that's his yeah. brother. We'll fire him, too. Yeah, exactly. He's everywhere. He's following me. I can't get away from him. I thought I fired him. I saw him escorted out. I mean, like, to have a police escort off, off the White House grounds... It's just so unnecessary, so ridiculous. Although if you're gonna leave, you know that that you know there's a certain style to it. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I guess I, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if Trump was escorted off by the police? That'd be great. I would take that. <laughs> yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. I, you know, and, and I've got to say, like, clearly vindictive, but also, you don't know that you know this president couldn't trust him. Like, you knew he was gonna do it. I also don't totally think it's the wrong thing for him to do because we don't want the president this president especially to talk to fewer people and so if he doesn't trust the national security council because vinman's on it 
and he just stops talking to them at Although, all? Is that a good thing? if he thing? doesn't talk to people, can he get anything done? Uh, so, so maybe the solution is him alone isolation. in the White House, completely isolated, and like a bunch of people just sort of keeping the ship of state afloat while Trump is presumably walking around in his bathrobe uh, muttering at the ceiling. Tweeting. Tweeting. Tweeting, yes. Well, of exactly. course. Exactly. Right. We'll just build a pen for him outside. I kind of picture it like when you used to play The Sims and you'd like build a, a wall around somebody and they didn't know where to go. That'd be fantastic. Yes. We could just sim him in in there. Uh, yeah. And John Kelly, former chief of staff, was like, no, that Vinman did exactly what we trained him to do. Donald Trump's an idiot. Yeah. And, and Donald Trump, of course, was then like, oh, John Kelly, he lost his job. He was the worst terrible person anybody who hired john kelly was an idiot yes basically doing what you would expect from exactly the and then there was the famed elaine mccusker who i swear you have never heard of i certainly hadn't heard about her until this uh she was somebody at the office of management and budget who pushed back against uh the withholding of the funding for ukraine uh in actually very reasonable terms which were basically like hey we're breaking the law here. Can we not break the law? Yeah. And because she did that, she got fired. Fired. And, you know, what's been interesting, although probably non-consequential, is that in the last week, we've seen a lot more emails from the OMB and the White House that essentially, and not surprisingly, contradict everything that the president's lawyers were saying about involvement of certain people and timing of things. Of They're course. like... I, you know, it's a Pyrrhic victory. Yeah. Or oh, loss? Yeah. I don't know. Cold comfort? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the right phrase. It's yes. cold comfort. Yes. On a day when it is particularly cold in Chicago, it is. I feel like that's the word it to is. go with. Uh, yeah, so uh, impeachment is pretty much done as far as we can tell. Who knows? Maybe it'll come back again. But sure. uh, William Barr is, seems to be doing his best to ensure that it never comes back again. <laughs> I mean, Although... It's interesting to start this off because uh, Barr did an interview with ABC News today, and it's pretty clear Barr is getting annoyed with Trump. Or a really good actor. Or he's a really good actor. Um, So, you know, he went on ABC News and he said uh, uh, that Trump has never asked him to do anything in a criminal case, which I'm sure is a lie, but should stop making tweets about the Justice Department because it makes it impossible for him to do his job. And then he goes on to say, I think it's time to stop the tweeting about Department of Justice criminal cases. So my sense of things is William Barr wants to do things that align with President Trump's power, but he doesn't want Trump saying the quiet things out loud. Right. Like, like, (laughs) here's the stage cue. You don't read the stage cue. Okay. You only read the lines. (laughs) Nice. And and what he's maybe what he's actually saying is. It's really hard for me to subvert justice when you're telling everybody right. that we're subverting. Hey, would you justice. subvert some justice? Would you sh- sh- just Quiet. stop it? Well, here's what it's interesting about this: is Barr coming out publicly against Trump? Trump's not going to like that. Like, is Trump going to just quietly just accept the fact that Barr is calling him out in a public forum? If he does, that means it was staged. It Yes. Or Barr has so many bodies buried, or so many locations of buried bodies, that Trump's like, ah, I'm not going to mess with that. 
I mean, what? Please inform me which of those buried bodies Trump thinks would matter to him. Well, right now. there's that. Right. I mean, this is the guy that got up and did a well, press conference where he said it was all bullshit and later on said, oh, the House should expunge my impeachment record. I, which isn't whatever, a thing. Not even a thing. Yes. Right. Like, he doesn't care. Well, he you feels know, himself invincible now. It is a good thing, though, that as Susan Collins pointed out, Trump has learned his lesson. Right, yeah. Teachable moment. Teachable moment, it. yes. Teachable exactly. moment. They taught him he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> yes, they did. And, the, you know, so Barr said he's, you know, personally taking charge of decisions about investigations of any presidential candidate. So, first of all, <laughs> nobody talked about, you know, is he saying now there are investigations, multiple investigations of multiple candidates? Well, you know, there might be an investigation of, uh, of, Pete Buttigieg, as he's rising in the polls, or maybe Klobuchar, since you know she's had a little, a Klobuchar, Klobmentum or whatever that uh, that is. Um, I'm going to go Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Okay, there you go. Uh, actually, I heard one uh, on Pod Save America: global warming. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, we'll get this to that segment. In calling the out segment. Pod Save America, brought to you by Quip. Quip. <laughs> Brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't say inception po- moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't say Pod Save America without four minutes of the same ads. Yes. On a Presenting Casper mattress. Sponsor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, so yeah. So Barr is personally taking charge of these decisions. Apparently, they're setting up a process to vet the information that Giuliani is gathering in Ukraine, which. To my mind, would simply be setting up a, a toilet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I hope it's a like the fire. <laughs> yeah, it's the fax machine into the paper shredder. You know, just right in. I. But just think about how insane that is. How insane it is that we're talking about the Department of Justice listening to the private attorney of the president investigating political rivals. Yes. Which is a phrase that I am sure I just used because that's how everybody talks about it on TV because we don't want to say a name. Right. Political (laughs) rivals. Don't worry, he's not a rival. We'll get to that in a later segment. Right. We'll find out after South Carolina if he's actually a rival. Yep. And, And this is all kind of also echoed in the, I almost said Oliver Stone, the Roger Stone developments from this week yes uh so a quick reminder of who the hell roger stone is because you know he comes up every so often but it's good to remember uh he's the guy with a nixon tattoo on him like a picture of nixon's face on his body and that's actually where he started his first the start his career was working for nixon uh and uh he was found guilty for obstructing justice and making false statements and he's the person who was in between the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks when all of the Russian uh, leak DNC right. emails was coming out. And he's also a guy who we learned was intimidating witnesses saying things like, you're a stoolie, you're a, you know, I'm going to kill your dog. Yeah. You know, so generally a nice guy. And if you haven't had a laugh today, go look up the picture of him from the inauguration where he dressed like Mr. Peanut. Yes. I mean, 
huge top hats. <laughs> Monocle, I think. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Tails. Yes. Um, so that's Roger Stone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so originally uh, the team uh, that was prosecuting Roger Stone was calling for seven to nine years. And after a tweet from Trump, there was some movement and now that's been changed to three to four years and this is a you know he could have been sentenced up to 20 years right and he still could yes. i mean it's a recommendation the judge can do right. what they want and typically the way this works is that you know the the team that's prosecuting is the one making the recommendations and yes there's some oversight but they don't go to the judge and say uh seven to nine years or i mean three to four years i mean let him go i mean yeah. it's that's not how it works that's not how it should work well so, you know, the tweet comes down, then the recommendation gets changed, but the prosecutors themselves weren't told. Right. They found out, as anybody would, by watching Fox News. Right. And so they were not happy about this, and um, the four prosecutors ended up withdrawing from the case. Uh, one of them just quit entirely at that mm -hmm. point. Uh, and these were all folks that were originally part of Mueller's team. If yes. I'm correct. So, yes, as I understand it. You know, they're kind of like the last remnants there of that team. I mean, although I question why they were watching Fox News, but could you imagine that? Bipartisanship. There we go. Um, they're probably actually Republicans. Probably. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. Like, But could you imagine that, finding out that, you're doing your job. You're being very diligent about it. You've worked this case for a year. And then behind your back, somebody above you is just like, those guys are idiots. Let this guy out as soon as possible. Or literally possible that all of it was started because of a tweet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And also, like... In, Trump has been going after Judge Amy Berman Jackson, who is the person who will actually be doing the sentencing here, which seems foolish if, if your intention is to get a low sentence. Right. And on brand, though. Well, yes, and it's just kind of his thing. But, like, you know, if I'm that judge and, like, they recommended seven to nine, and then they cut to three to four, and then Trump starts, you know, flailing me in public, like, no, no, 20 years sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm hearing 10 to 14, Mr. Peanut. Yes. So here's a question. When he's in prison, because presumably he'll get some prison time, and if he's getting the little, uh, the little you know, teardrop tattoos, does he get it on his face, or does he get it on Richard Nixon's face? So anybody who's listening, if you've got real good knowledge of, say, uh, prison tattoo etiquette, can you get the teardrop tattoo on a portrait tattoo that you've already got. I, you know, it's a, it's, it's a nuanced thing. It's a, it's a, but this is the kind of hard-hitting news we try to bring. That's right. The kind of analysis that you don't get anyplace else. Probably because it's really not that important. <laughs> In other DOJ news, uh, Jesse Liu uh, was the U.S. attorney for District of Columbia and uh, was a George W. Bush appointment, and... Uh, she was supposed to be moved to the Treasury Department in an appointment by Trump. And, you know, just seeming like a normal promotion progression or whatever. Um, and then as she was leaving there, Trump withdrew her nomination 
and now she's resigned. The interim replacement is Timothy Shear, who is one of Barr's closest advisors. And so it's slowly spreading out the influence that Barr has throughout the more peripheral parts of what the DOJ covers. Is there a Twitter division? I, right. So just a, a question there. Is this uh, the U.S. attorney for D.C., This is is this a position that needs to get approved by the Senate I or not? I do not believe so. Okay. Or, you know, worst case, he's an interim. Right. Because that's how we do now. Exactly. But he needs approval. Actually, so Jesse Liu going to the Treasury Department position that would have, have needed approval. Yes. Maybe and by Trump doesn't. withdrawing, it means that the it just ceases to go away. I right. don't know. So somebody else is still there, I, I assume. But And it is something I think I will research for our next podcast. You know, how many empty spots do we have? And how many interims do we have right now? Yes. Uh, you know, because one of the things that we keep seeing, and this is a, you know, I don't want to take us too far down a tangent here, but one of the things that we keep seeing is the erosion of the Congress as being a co-equal branch of government. Right. Um, yeah. Because, you know, before, nominally, this is how you provide some oversight ability yes. in all these departments, is you say, okay, that guy can't be in charge of that because that guy's a dumbass. Exactly. Okay. But, uh, if now, interim, but if they're all interim... Shrug emoji. Right. right. So what is it that is driving, especially the Senate and Mitch McConnell in the Senate, to just say... I don't care yeah. if the Senate works at all. You know, we, I, don't, I don't need to. I only want to as approve as, judges with lifetime. As long as he's putting judges in position, he doesn't really care. Yeah. That's what I get the sense. But anyhow. Um, one other thing to sort of note about all this. Uh, William Barr and some potential nepotism concerns. Now, this is all stuff that's been out there since William Barr became Attorney General, but got lost in the shuffle of all of it. Uh, is that... Uh, his daughter was in the Department of Justice, as was her husband. Um, she went to work for the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Division, which I'm just going to note that if one was <laughs> a real estate developer in New York who was laundering money, that's probably the group that would be involved in investigating you, I'm guessing. And, I just, uh, you know, maybe. Yeah, Just tossing and, it out. and her husband then went to the White House Counsel's Office. Now, uh, theoretically, there's a greater nepotism problem if William Barr is the boss of the DOG and they both work for the DOJ. So, okay, but their new jobs are also questionable. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if there's any there there, but it certainly smells a little fishy. Well, and I think the other thing to just kind of consider here and uh, you know, I will hearken back lo those many moons ago when William Barr was was nominated and we we're like, well, I mean, he's been around, right? So, he's got deep connections, you know, he knows a lot of people. Uh, it's not terribly surprising that his his child had already been the beneficiary of some nepotism or some some contacts, I, you know. Yeah. Again, I, I don't. We don't really know anything about her or her husband. It feels a little fishy. Yeah, and I don't. I don't want to do the. You know, I'm, I don't want to do the sins of the father thing. Like I, she may be perfectly fine, and you know, I mean, 
you know, we've seen examples of like there was that that one Republican who was deeply involved in gerrymandering things and his daughter like ended up putting all of that crap out on the Internet for anybody to see. So let's you know, she may be perfectly fine here, but just keep an eye on it. Let's just say. So the other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is that the Senate did something this week that was shockingly bipartisan. Shockingly. So all the Democrats plus eight Republicans passed a measure to force the president to seek approval for any military action against Iran. Now, he's going to veto it. Right. So, <laughs> so maybe so, it's nothing you know, about nothing. Yeah. Um, Let's but get to that, you know, two-thirds threshold that keeps uh, Trump in office, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, I, yeah. But at the same time— But I like the fact that there's at least some Republicans willing to— Yes. Look like they're against Trump on some level. Hopefully he'll take offense at that and start, you know, burning them alive on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it was it was really I think it it was any any little bit like this is heartening to some extent. I, I mean, take what we can get. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not I, I'm not fans of these guys, you know, like I'm not donating to to Republican senators, you know, re-election funds, or I'm not writing rosy letters to Mitt Romney. Yeah. Um, but I just want people to act like they're well it's, in an it's, important job and doing that yeah. job earnestly. And it's at least comforting that there's a recognition across the aisle that there's something not right here. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's about the best we can hope for at this point in time, so... I'll take it. It's, it's the best we can hope from. It's like when Tim Kaine is our most stout, you know, person speaking up for the Democrats in the Senate. You're like, whew, Tim Kaine. Tim Great Kane. eyebrows, Tim Kaine. Great eyebrows. Okay, so outside of these United States, what's going on, man? How's that cough? That's <laughs> no, fine. Uh, yeah, no, I was traveling uh, a lot this week, and I will say I was uh, using the hand, sanit- hand sanitizer very thoroughly because I did not want to get the Wuhan coronavirus, which has now been rebranded as COVID-19. So we've gone from more of a Wu-Tang Clan vibe to, is it Blink-182 or more UB-40? I'm not I sure. I don't know. I don't know, the um, COVID-19, that's yes. terrible. Well, it is a terrible name. I, I like the reasoning for it is that it takes all of the, like, origin out of the name. It mm-hmm. reduces, the, you know, the racist, xenophobic vibes that can get in there if it's saying, you know, this is a Chinese virus. It's like, yes, it have to come from there originally, but. Uh, um, although, do you know there's one country that has refused to rebrand it? Taiwan. <laughs> well, <laughs> so uh, that's just a little, yeah, a little just, viral just FU a from little Taiwan. Dick. Yeah, 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 just like, hey, no viruses here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and of course, as we sort of predicted and expected, like, oh, we happened to move this rug out of the way and we found 14,000 new cases. Yeah. Now, this is another thing where I'm, I'm actually glad that this is happening is originally what China was doing was that they're only taking people who had tested positive using one of the test kits that they have for the virus. And what they're now doing is they're saying basically anybody who has symptoms that have been diagnosed as that, even if they don't test on the test kit, 
uh, they're including those numbers as well. So if you look at the number of cases, you see this like slow trend upward, and then suddenly there's this giant spike from like Tuesday where all of these extra virus uh, cases came in. What it does, it brings the total number to just over 60,000 cases and just over 1,300 deaths. We're still tracking at around a 2%, 2.2% was you know what I got when I did the math uh, death rate on that. Um, we also now have 6,286 people fully recovered, which is a good sign that, you know, as the disease is progressing, people sure. are actually recovering, et cetera. And, and I think there are a couple other things, though, that I think are notable here. So one of the deaths uh, was uh, a doctor in China, Li Wenliang, who was sort of the initial whistleblower. So he was a doctor who had seen patients very early on. He had kind of tried to go on social media and talk about it. And he was censured and, yeah. you know, by the government. And, you know, the people who censured him, in theory, have been relocated, allocated, fired. The people who sacked the people have been sacked. Sure. Sure, <laughs> sure they have. Um, but And he was a young guy. He was uh, late 30s, early 40s. Um, died. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, there are a couple things about that. One is that, you know, we should keep in mind that, you know, there are people trying to to do the right thing, um, but also it's 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 not just old people or, or immunocompromised people. This was you know a young doctor. Yeah, I mean it's largely that, but yeah, it's it's not exclusively that. Um, and the other thing is that, that it sparked some protests. So there have been you know lots of protests, just you know people wanting to be able to freely express what's going on about this, and like you know that's. Between this and the protests in, in Hong Kong, that's a big deal. Yeah, and there's a very real impact that this is having on the Chinese economy because they're trying to keep people from convening in spaces, which is, you know, work is a good example yes. of people convening in spaces. Um, they're trying to adjust that a little bit, so keeping the tighter restrictions on uh, on the hype is it Hebei, the, the, the province? Yes. Um, keeping that province largely locked down, but allowing other provinces to have a little bit more, you know, people able to like go to work and, and, right. and you know. Well, I, you know, and I, uh, my brother-in-law has a, a team in China and he works for a, a, a very large, uh, very large company. They've got lots of people in China and they, you know, essentially all the professional workers are working from home. Yeah. They're not, oh, yeah. not sending anybody into the office. Yeah, and I was seeing, you know, all over the place as I was traveling last week was, you know, admonishments that basically if, you, you know, if you've been to China the last 14 days, we don't want you anywhere near us, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, people who did not want to shake hands because they didn't want to get that potentially. I mean, it was, I think it was a little absurd, but, like, the precautions at a certain point are, are reasonable. Sure. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm traveling to the West Coast in a couple of weeks, and I'm going full hazmat suit. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally reasonable. You'll just be rolling down the, uh, down the uh, terminal in a bubble. Yeah, exactly. One of those Zorbs. Positive yep. pressure, man. Positive pressure. <laughs> uh, in the U.S., it's still pretty well Yeah, we've had well 14 contained. cases, no deaths. Three people have recovered from it so far. Uh, so that's a good sign. You know, we still don't have a lot of sense of, like, how easily it's transmitted. It seems like it's pretty contagious, but, you know, we'll, we'll see yeah. as things progress. But it's um, already past SARS. So yes. congratulations, 
Congratulations, COVID-19. You've passed SARS. I feel like it's like feel achievement like s- unlocked. I feel like SARS was better branding. Oh, SARS oh, is definitely like... better. Yeah, yeah. Definitely I remember, better like, was it a Saturday Night Live thing where they had the uh, Skarsgård, Sarsgård, something like that? You know, anyhow. Uh, also fair. Also old, fair. Old references. And, but how about that? Isn't there like a ship, right? Like a cruise ship? And th- this so is the other thing. Like, I never want to go on a cruise ship for many, many reasons. Right. And then hearing like this Yeah, so thing. there's two cruise ships. So one <laughs> has people who have uh, COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And there have been 218 cases reported from that cruise ship. And it's currently docked at or near Yokohama, Japan. And basically, everybody is being kept on the cruise ship. And then when people are diagnosed, they'll be pulled off the cruise ship and they'll be treated in medical facilities in Japan. But basically, they're being completely isolated. So you can't get off unless so you've you can't got get it? off. And presumably, there are people who, like, I can totally see that people will be, like, moved off as they get it, but they're still spreading it to people who are still on the cruise ship. So, like, there may be this slow just bleed of right. people who are on the cruise ship slowly being infected And if I really want to get off the cruise ship, you know, yeah. I'm going to find somebody who's got it. You right. look warm. Give me a hug. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. Let me I just might, lick your I face. I might die, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get off this ship. Yeah. And then there's another one, uh, Holland America's Westerdam cruise ship. Uh, which also like started in China, as I understand it, and was basically wandering, trying to find somewhere they would allow them to dock because, and they have nobody who's shown up as having COVID nineteen, but and so yeah. they're just trying to find somewhere where they could dock and eventually let the people off. So now they're apparently in Cambodia. Um, I don't know if they, I don't think at this point they've been allowed to leave yet, but they're at least in a position where they could eventually leave from there. It's it's a little, I mean, the hype is real. It's a little crazy. It's also, a, stay off of cruise ships. Yeah, it, it, right. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I still feel like, you know, the death rate is alarming at scale. Like, if you have, like, yeah. you know, if the entire planet, you know, gets infected, 2.2% of the people dying is a big problem. But, you know, if they keep it relatively contained, 2.2% is not as bad. And, and ultimately... A lot of this comes scary. down to yeah. what populations are being infected and who's, you know, who's harmed by it. Like, for me, I would probably be fine, but who knows? Yeah, just to touch the Wuhan. <laughs> just got to touch the Wuhan. It's COVID-19, sir. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I COVID-19. Know, I, I can't change the branding now. It's like the Sears it's Tower. It's the Blink-182 of viruses. Well, that's all the small things. They both things. make you feel ill, I will say that. So, wow. uh, so outside of... Outside of that, I, there are a couple things I think that are, you know, in the department of our standing in the world. Uh, the United States has had a long-standing agreement with the Philippines. I mean, obviously, the United States and, and the Philippines have been sort of inexorably linked since before World War II. Um, but there's been an agreement in place since... 1999, uh, which when I say it, I realize how long ago that was, that, uh, that's allowed for some military bases and some cooperation between the two countries. And Duterte is just like, Trump sucks, I'm canceling that thing. Like sort of unilaterally. Which I gotta imagine Trump's very sad about that because I recall Duterte is like one of his favorite uh, authoritarian dictator types like you know he just know, goes I mean, and like got, executes drug dealers the like, on the wall yeah yeah no he's all he's all about that yeah i'm sure he's like man i 
I could Duterte those guys. Yeah. He's probably asking for some, uh, for some of the witnesses to be duterte Right. Sure. Just see that. Just trying to pronounce, I'm just trying to imagine him pronouncing Duterte. No, no, not, not, not going to happen. Um, you know, again, uh, people can have differing opinions about whether or not we should have military presences, presences in other, you know, other countries. And is the Philippines strategically important? I would say it probably still is strategically important yeah. if you care about such a thing. Yeah. But again, it, this is one of those places where you have two non-rational actors. Well, and it suggests a a shift of influence in that region towards China. However that plays out and whatever that ultimately means, um, you know, it doesn't... Is it a bad thing? Maybe? I don't know. But, like, you know, I think it it, it is a definitely a change in something we should be at least yeah. concerned about, thoughtful about. I, I You know, again, for me, it's like... It is it is as notable as anything else because it is indicative of the trajectory of our you know of our foreign policy yeah. and what happens when you end up with again two non-rational actors. Well, and I think yeah, if it was part of a clear strategy, like okay, we're pulling out of this area because of X, Y, and Z, you know, like if if there was a future president who just believed that you know we shouldn't be involved and we shouldn't have the military in these locations like we're we're gone we don't need to be there like whether you agree or not at least there's a a plan plan behind it Mm -hmm. this is just shit breaking because trump (laughs) right exactly through neglect or you know through action or inaction yes it is sort of just general inability to keep things going so that's fun. Um, right. I, the other thing I wanted to bring up, because we've kind of come back to it a few times, is you remember the missile attack on the on Iraq? You know what? Actually, that reminds me. I haven't checked in with you in a while on this. World War Three status report. Are we at uh, World War Three yet? No, not yet. No. Not yet? No, not yet. But it's good to note that as predicted, the casualty numbers that were reported by the U.S. government originally were just lies. Right. So, you know, it was like, ah, oh, it was like uh, two guys, they broke a nail. Um, then it was uh, 11, 11 folks had some minor injuries. Then they were headaches in air quotes. Then it was 30 people had to be transported. And then to there was jury. the bone spurs. Wait, that's Trump. Never mm-hmm. mind. Sorry. Uh, uh, but now it turns yeah. out it's, it's over 100 service members were injured. Yeah. I, and that's and like when it was like thirty or forty, like okay, like that hundreds not a small number of people. No, and and to me it's the worst. The worst part to me is that they were clear lies or obfuscations, just because Trump didn't want to have to look weak. Oh, for sure. And and it's, it's now to t- me. I will say, though, I'm, I'm glad, once again, in this perverse world we're in, that he felt it was so important to cover these up so he could back down. Right. Or somebody else thought it was important. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and, and that's the real thing. Like, to me, it is, it is that we can't 
trust our president to do the thing that is sane. Yeah. And in the best interest of everybody. Yeah. Versus what's going to feel best for his ego. Yeah. So that takes care of what's going on in the world, at least within what yeah. we've managed to come up with in the last day of random Googling. I know this <laughs> nice. I know this is a little out of order, but can we talk about beer? Yes. Now, before yes, we, we talk can. about the circus. Because we're in a new spot today. Yes. And not just new to us. Like new new. New new. Yes. New new. Uh, so we are at Burning Bush Brewery, uh, located on Rockwell. What's the closest cross street here? It's Irving Park. Irving Park. So just a little north of Irving Park. It uh, is right on the river. Yeah. Uh, just across. It's, it's across from the south, across the river from the south end of Horner Park here in, in St. Ben's. Is that uh, the neighborhood here? I have no idea. North I barely center, knew that was Irving Park, so, you know. North Center of St. Ben's. Yeah. An interesting little strip down here. There's, like, a spa place, Body Lux. There is Stay, which is a dog boarding place, 24-hour fitness. But this place, uh, they opened two weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of beers that they have. Um, they have their, their selection of three beers, which are all, you know, their ones and then there's also a bunch of like local guest beers, beers yeah. guest beers yeah so uh of the vera is one of the ones they have on tap which is one of our the around favorites. the bend pistachio cream yes. but that's not what we're but having that's right not now. what we're drinking because no. we want to drink as local as possible so exactly uh okay. i start off with the saint basil which is a an amber with a lot of basil in it which really would sound strange basically christmas ale that's yeah. really what I, it plays as uh, as I drink it. And I have one now, and it does kind of taste like the, um, like a, a, a good solid Christmas ale. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to think of one of the two, you know, the Sierra Nevada Christmas kind of tastes like that. I mean, it honestly plays a little bit like the, uh, oh, shoot, who's that brewery? Uh, the one from Ohio... Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Oh, Great Lakes. Yes. Great so Lakes. it reminds me of the Great Lakes Christmas Ale, I, it, which it, is one of my favorites. So yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it, it's definitely a good one. It's quite good. Um, yeah. And then I went on to have the uh, Broken Bread, which is a stout. Uh, it's a stout. I mean, it's you know, it's got some smokiness to it. It's uh, it pretty much your standard kind of oatmeal stout. Stoutish. Um, and then you have their one other beer that's their local... Yeah, so, of course, I mean, this is all, it's funny, you know, when we got here and, you know, they've only got a few things on tap right now. And he's like, so what did, Steve asked me, what did you get? And I looked at him like, of course you got the IPA. Yes. yes. So I got this Smooth Serpent, uh, which I've been trying to fit into the lyrics for Smooth Criminal, but I, I haven't been able to. Uh, the Smooth Serpent it's a IPA. a syllable problem there. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty decent. I, you know, um. Not as full, like the, you know, not as full hoppy as a lot of IPAs are now. Um, again, oh, still so I might good. like it. <laughs> exactly. They've got a lot of stuff coming up, though. Uh, they've got a Mexican lager that's going to be coming out soon, a beer de garde, a Belgian double, and a Weizenbach. I was actually, I was assuming, you know, burning br bush. It's got sort of vaguely, uh, you know that, that it's got religious connotations. You know, I was yeah. I was assuming we'd get some kind of Trappist. You know, like 
we're just throwing a vat of wort out to you know, collect the natural flora and fauna. Sounds great. It does. I, I know that's very on brand for you. Yes. So. Uh, uh, I am definitely going to come back here. This yeah, is a mile no, this from is, my yeah, house. Yeah, I highly recommend coming out, giving it a try. Um, you know, support a, a new brewery that's trying to get started, and you know, as they have a little more time, they can come out with a few different beer styles, and uh, should yeah. be good. And I'm sure at some point we will do the Chicago River Beer Crawl, which will include both this place, Metropolitan, which is just down the river. I wonder if we could take a canoe. That sounds. Sl- Kayak? That either sounds awesome or sweaty. I'm not sure which. <laughs> Depends on the I don't time know of year and the weather. Exclusive. But, uh, but yeah, Burning Bush here on Rockwell. I, again, it's just east of the river, just north of Irving Park. So yeah. if you're coming west on Irving Park, there's a light there. You take a right. It's right there. Yep, yep. Really cool. And a good space. They got the bow trusses, which, I mean, I love the bow trusses. Yes, I am pro bow trust. Pro bow, pro bow, pro bow. Uh, yeah, so that uh, that takes care of our beer conversation, which leads us to the circus. To the circus. Election circus twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, and we've got hey, how those all Iowa kinds of crazy stuff. Right, yeah, so as far as we know, <laughs> the Iowa caucus is over at this point. Sure, maybe. I have no idea. I'm fully convinced there's somebody standing in a high school gym somewhere in Iowa in a cornfield going, are we done? Guys? Can we go? Guys? Uh, so the results, the final results, final-ish results that we have is Sanders winning with a uh, popular vote count of 45,842 to Buttigieg, 43,274. Correction. Buttigieg winning 664 SDEs. Right. To 562 SDEs. I mean, every I, everybody claimed victory out this, of that. This makes... It, I, it, <laughs> no sense at all. No sense. It's like it's like under it, a big shadow. It's like every year the Iowa caucus when it happened. So every four years when it happened, they'd come out and they present a sausage and they go, "That's a lovely sausage." And this year they said, "Would you like to see how it's made?" No. No. The correct no, no. answer was no. no and I, I was talking to two people yesterday who were both at the ca- at different caucus sites, uh, working for different campaigns. One for Bernie's campaign, one for uh, Warren's campaign, and. <laughs> The guy from Bernie's campaign was like, yeah, man, we rocked up. It was 7 o'clock. They were, you know, everybody was in their spots. There was no, like, horse trading, anything. Like, Biden was below viability. You know, Yang was below viability. They reallocated in 35 seconds. They, but by law, they have to give them 15 minutes. All the paperwork was done and signed by 7.25 p.m., Local time. It's like so we went and started drinking. Assuming we were (laughs) assuming we were gonna get the results soon. It's like I was so confused on so many levels when none of the results were in. Yeah. Um, and you know, he was talking to the the folks who were running that precinct and they said like, Yeah, I don't know, they sent us a link for some app, but I'm gonna call in along with hundreds of Republican robocallers, evidently. Um So, yeah, so at this point, uh, I think probably you could you could say Buttigieg is a winner just because he outperformed what was expected. 
Uh, but Sanders, ultimately, I think you can, you know, take away that he got the win for the popular support. Sure. The clear loser in all this was the chair of the Iowa Democratic Party, Troy Price, uh, who resigned uh, right. after all of this uh, unfolded. I mean, he should have resigned when he was given the speech. Yeah, and like, the, just start and off the, the speech sign. with, I'm quitting when this speech is over. Right, and, and then the go. sign fell off his lectern. Yeah. Did you see that? He's, like, <laughs> talking, and the Iowa Democrat sign just crashes to the ground. I mean, yeah, you so, almost felt bad for him, but he did hire Shadow Inc. Well, you know, had Nevada caucus gone first, they might have had this trouble. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, also, the other loser from this was Biden, who came in. Got rocked. Fifth? Fourth? It was bad. Yeah. It was behind, yeah, it was fifth. Because it was behind. Yeah, yeah, because it was it was Sanders Judge, Budaders or whatever. Yes. Warren, Klobuchar's, yeah. and then no, he did ba- he did badly. So that takes us to New Hampshire, a place where they just count votes. I like that. I like counting uh, votes. yeah. So we got the results back from that now. Sanders the winner this time. Again. Or not, but we'll call it again. Seventy-six thousand three hundred twenty-four votes got him nine delegates. Buttigieg seventy-two thousand four hundred fifty-seven votes, also nine delegates. I mean, I don't understand how any of this stuff works, people. But <laughs> Klobuchar fifty-eight thousand seven hundred ninety-six votes, six delegates. Klobuchar super outperformed. Yeah, that was she had a big showing there. Um, and I've seen some analysis saying, you know, she kind of actually aligns pretty well with the voting demographics of New Hampshire. So who knows? Uh, Warren and Biden both doing pretty poorly relative to that. Um, Warren having about half as many votes as Klobuchar. Same with Biden. Both of them getting zero delegates because neither of them got to the 15 percent threshold. So, so two interesting things here. One, Biden peaced out, man. He... Yeah, he you know, knew the he knew it like wasn't Tuesday gonna go afternoon, well. He's like, I'm going down to South Carolina. Yeah, like I know that you were all very excited to go to my after party, and we were gonna totally do shots together. I gotta go to South Carolina. I gotta go to South Carolina. I'm skipping Nevada. Yep. Like, I'm staying East Coast, baby. He's putting all eggs in that basket, and we'll talk about I think Warren and yep. Biden's campaigns in a little bit. But that was really. Could you imagine having gotten up in the morning, fired up? gone and voted for biden or working no, for biden i literally can't imagine that but <laughs> I'm like guys but let's let's I, assume that i could imagine that part of it you get together you get all your friends together all your right. biden friends together you're i don't know you're you're drinking your turning leaf chardonnay i'm really having a struggle not to make ageist jokes right now <laughs> so we'll just move on <laughs> you turn on the tv and the first thing you see on the tv when you're watching the returns is Biden says catch the vapors bitches yep. i'm going to south carolina like i mean the, the campaign camaro is on the road gone. uh I, yeah I, I was really i mean to kind of just give up on those states was really well, surprising. you know, I think, honestly, his biggest mistake was not giving up on it sooner. <laughs> like, if he had <laughs> yeah, just said, yeah. I don't pull well on Iowa or Hampshire. These aren't places where I'm going to win. And basically just say, look, I'm not competing there. Consciously not going to p- compete there. I'll see you in Nevada. I'll oh, see you in Nevada. South I mean, Carolina. I, I, well, I mean, at this point, he's 
he's on a downward trajectory. He's got to yeah. just fall back to where he thinks he has some chance. Right. And right now, we have no polling on South Carolina. So who no. the hell knows? Like who last time we polled it back in January. Yeah. So, so, uh, but, but let's get, let's stick with New yeah, Hampshire for a moment. Yeah. Let's stick with the ham. Um, I think the exit polls of New Hampshire are, are interesting and give us some insights uh, into kind of where this all may be going. Yeah. So uh, overall, there was a record-setting turnout. What I haven't quite gotten a clear vision on is, is that amongst Democrats or is that broadly speaking, does that account for Republicans who have crossed over to vote for Democrats uh, yeah. because it, it was either that or just voting for Trump blindly? Like, you know, uh, hold knows? on a second. Bill Weld got 10% of the vote. Good on him. 10% 10%. That's heartening. Um, I I, I think it's hard to, it's hard to compare, you know, like the record setting, like I, I kind of roll my eyes at it, right? Because, you know, what are you comparing to? Are you comparing to a year where it's completely open? Like 2008, right? You know, are you comparing to 2016? Yeah, you know, it's, like, it's hard to hard to compare that um, because there's there's no doubt that there were people who voted in the Republican primary in 2016 who voted in the Democratic primary this time. Sure, um, I, I think you know what was a little more interesting to me is that the numbers weren't quite as great in some of the college towns, so where there are younger voters and there are some voter ID laws that are in place now that may, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and also like the, the population in New Hampshire is a more mobile population than your average state. So, you know, people moving in, people moving out. So sure. Who knows the, how the state's it's, only it's, four miles wide. Well, right. So you don't even realize you've been through it. It's <laughs> right. It's like, I was in New Hampshire. I thought it was in Boston. I don't right. know. Um, so it's very hard to do those comparisons. So, we don't spend a lot of time on that, even though we just did. Um, but Sanders right now, if you look at it, he's winning amongst younger voters, poorer voters. Like they looked at people who make less than 50000 a year and, uh, and very liberal voters. And all of that fits. That all yeah. seems to sort of make sense. Buttigieg is winning amongst wealthier voters. So as people over 100000 um, he's uh, winning amongst those who prefer a candidate who can beat Trump. Which is an interesting qualifier because I feel like that could move across any candidates depending on how yeah. the rest of things play out. So it's a, I don't feel like that's a solid thing to, to base your campaign on. Uh, he also led amongst last-minute deciders, which is another one that's like, mm. I don't really feel like that's something you can build a campaign strategy on. Well, like block no, I, all media so people can only decide at the last minute. Yeah, like, well, but oh, I well, think, I'll take him. Uh, no, but I think you can, right? Because... Of all of the of the top four, one of the candidates did not come out after Iowa and say positive things about it, and that was Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, and she got rocked. I mean, Pete declared victory first. You know, Bernie declared different victory. Klobuchar was like, you know what? We didn't win by numbers, but we way outperformed. We punched above our weight. She took it as a victory. Yeah. Warren was like, and we're on to New Hampshire. Like, uh, hey, man. And so uh, you can, you know, because, again, we're in a bubble. We talk about this every week. You know, most people don't. New Hampshire's a pretty informed electorate, and, you know, lots of people there didn't decide until the last week. And if you're deciding based on what you're seeing, you got a lot of 
positive media coverage for Buttigieg yep. and for Klobuchar. Yeah. Um, I think you can build a strategy around that. You can build a strategy around people want to vote for a winner. That was Donald Trump's strategy. Well, you can in 2016. You can't, you can't build a strategy around it, though. Like you can, like if you're winning, that can continue to reinforce your winning. But if you, but here's where I, here's where I think that's a flaw: is you go to Nevada, and if that doesn't happen to pan out, and you don't end up winning in Nevada, pan out, and you don't have to end up winning in, for Nevada. Indeed. Uh, and you don't end up winning in South Carolina. Well, now are you a winner anymore? Is that and so it's. I I, I, I don't know. Well, I get that. You know, I think there's a difference between. So I could put, you know, I could take my staffers and I could disperse them across the country, and hope that they're all doing good things. So I know that, like Warren has a very well developed ground game in Illinois already. That's great. What if she doesn't make it to Illinois? You know, so I could I could see a strategy that says I am going to, you know, for Buttigieg, I'm going to win or place in Iowa and New Hampshire. And that will drive my narrative oh, and then I can yeah, build yeah, those yeah. things up other places. Uh, yeah. And I'm I understand saying, that yeah, like, I'm you can hit it's a like, it's, not a, it's not a strategy that takes you forward from there necessarily. But like to saying, oh, I'm going to put all my money on these early states to build that narrative. Oh, absolutely. And that's honestly what most everybody tried to do and have had, you know, some degree of success or another. Um, but continuing on, Klobuchar winning amongst more religious voters and... Um, Republican crossovers and older voters. And also college-educated women, which is a really important thing here because that takes directly from Warren's wheelhouse. So a big part of the Warren pitch was to college-educated women and if Klobuchar takes that, yeah. and Bernie's taking the liberal folks, it really takes a lot of the oxygen out of the room for Elizabeth Warren. So yeah, so Klobuchar, there's definitely overlap with Warren support there. Yeah. Um, in terms of like where Warren's strongest support was, it was amongst uh, very liberal people who were supported single payer. There's a lot of overlap between her and Sanders there. Yeah, like I said, just takes the oxygen out of the room. For yeah, him. and so, and then, you know, Biden then winning months more religious voters, those who are opposed to single payer and older voters. So what it sounds like is the natural follow-on for Biden voters would be Klobuchar, potentially, which could be interesting if he drops out yeah. if South Carolina does not pan out for him. Um. I mean, I think that's the thing right now is the sort of the next phase of this election is who starts dropping out and where do those supporters end right. up? And do they endorse? Do they not endorse? Starting with Andrew Yang. Yes. Has dropped out. And Yang gang is, I mean, they're being, they're being courted hard. Like, Andrew Yang's like, I'm dropping out. And before he said finished out, like the yeah. tweets from, like, I... I support the Yang gang. Come on in. We're, you know, we'll yeah. squirt your mouths full of, you know, full of whipped cream. Like, so, and that coming from Warren, Biden, Klobuchar, Sanders, 
Everybody wants the yeah, end game. Yeah, and you see this in every election up and down the ballot is yeah. as soon as somebody drops out or whatever, the next people are like, hey, come join us. We, you know, endorse us. You well, know, that's the, Yeah, nobody's looking for the Bennett and Deval Patrick voters who also dropped out. Well, that's because there are none. So. Truth. <laughs> that is that is truth. Can I, can I tell you, though, uh, Seth Moulton dropped out whatever, five days after I ordered a T-shirt from him. Right. Andrew Yang dropped out a day after I ordered a math pin. How many votes do you think Michael Bennett managed to get in New Hampshire? Raw votes, total votes. Raw total votes. 960. Was that just a guess? Because that's pretty good. <laughs> what was the number? It's 963. That's... Always go under. That's that's pretty good, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I, I want you to know it's not up on my screen. Yeah, no, he's not cheating anybody. <laughs> wow, it's <laughs> a little scary to be honest. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say that I sat there all night during New Hampshire refreshing oh, the results. Is that? Yeah, Michael Bennett. That was all me voting 958 times yes. and Michael Bennett voting twice. And for those of you keeping track of the Bennett versus Deval Patrick uh, campaign race, uh, Deval Patrick won. <laughs> 964. Pretty much, yes. Wow. So next up is Nevada. So it's a caucus. Great idea. Love the caucus. But they've, they've dropped Shadow Inc., in yes. Terms. So apparently they did some testing uh, with Shadow's app because they were going to use essentially, I don't know if it's exactly the same app, but basically the same concept, sure. probably just different branding, whatever. Um, and they were running into errors during the test when they were trying to submit the first alignment. Uh, you know, and once again, with the caucus, you have the first round of votes and then people fall out and then they go do the second round of votes. Right. Um, so, yeah, so apparently they're not going to use that app. Uh, presumably they're going to just do this the old-fashioned way, which I imagine involves horseback riding. Uh, nice. Uh, no, I think everything's you, – you bet on everything. The, yes. Uh, actually, It I is think Nevada after all. What, what they said today, and we'll see if this actually happens, is their current plan is to use iPads and a Google Sheet. I had I'm this conversation okay with, with a friend of mine where we're both like, why don't they just do this in a Google Doc? Like, if you have decent access – controls on it that's the right, right way to go right so Fill out the form we're done it's easy Jesus. so it's funny i you know i did spend some time uh trying to recreate an app based on the software that i the company i work for and it took me an hour while drinking to build a better <laughs> app than iowa had so there you go so if you want to run a caucus anybody let us know. We'll give you the Whoever's left. Any of the South Dakota. I don't remember the caucus states that are left. There, there's enough to be annoying. Yeah. Uh, so yeah so although I will say one thing I'll give them huge credit on. It's a caucus, which means people having to actually yeah. physically meet. They're doing it on a Saturday. That's great. I love that. Although it is Las Vegas, so that you figure that's probably like the high time for travel or whatever. So, yeah, maybe. But it seems quite reasonable to me. Uh, you know what? But it's a low time for, for sort of conferences and events yeah well and also if i'm not mistaken like some of the caucus sites are like in casinos <laughs> which is fantastic okay uh bernie supporters you're over by the craps table right and <laughs> uh biden supporters it's the slots guys no 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 the penny slots yes. uh, just yeah just keep, keep moving over <laughs> keep keep moving over guys 
That's, wow. Wow. In casinos. I would love to see that. It's a thing. Um, And, you know, I think, you know, the big thing about Nevada is that it is, um, it is a big union state. Yes. Uh, So you've got a lot of people in unions. The culinary union is very influential. Um, Yeah. Unite here has a lot of, you know, hotel workers. And, And also a big, like, and I'm not positive this is correct, but I'm going to go with it, that a big percentage of the unions are women. Um, a higher percentage of the union members are women, higher than, in, than most places. Um, and all This, this is also the first caucus we'll have that's uh, got a fairly large non-white voting population, so that's a definite fair. change. That's why Buttigieg isn't going there. Uh, uh, but that the Culinary Workers Union came out against single pair in not so many words, well, right? It was so weird. Here's the thing that's so weird about this. So, like, it was the, like, a specific local, as far as I understood it, came out against it. And it was the leadership mm. of that organization. I've since seen individual, like, workers, like, collectively putting out a letter saying we support single pair. Um, you know, and I think you can make an argument as a union member that, hey, we've negotiated for this and we want to keep our health care plan because it's good. You can also make the argument that if you don't have to fight over health care, which is what they spend a lot of their time fighting for, they could fight for wages and other uh, right. benefits as well. And, and I think they uh, today they kind of came out and said, look, look, man, we're, we're not going to endorse any political candidate, which is kind of surprising. Um, but okay yeah and if you look at the actual like endorsements from unions generally bernie sanders is the clear leader on this yeah. uh you know biden has some warren has some Buttigieg probably doesn't have any that i know of so there you go uh so that's our setup for nevada um if you're wanting to know kind of what the polling looks like for it good luck because there is none right yeah. now um no i assume polling. you know there will probably be some in the next couple of days especially since we have a debate coming up, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, things have not, things have shifted an awful lot since the last polling was done. And they don't mean anything. Yeah. I'm kind of tired of the polls. Anyway, next debate is going to be the 19th. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah. So just a few days. The Nevada caucus is on the 22nd. Uh, this is just going to be a few days before that. Currently qualifying for it are Biden, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Sanders, and Warren. Bloomberg may qualify. He has to get 10% in four early states. Uh, he's got three out of the four at this point. Do you think he wants to be in the debate? Well, yes, or you no? know, I've kind of gone back and forth with this. So I originally started off with uh, what the hell is the DNC doing, changing the debate rules and making it so he can get yeah. in when he shouldn't get in, and da da da. At this point, though, I feel like it's better that he's in. Yeah, he's in the campaign. But he's campaigning, whether, yeah. yeah. And so if he's just going around to all these places and just spending huge amounts of money and buying up all the ad airtime, how are you going to get a message to counter what he's doing? Yeah, exactly. And so if you get him in a debate and you can get him on stage, you might have a chance to show. And maybe ask him about stop and frisk and redlining. Exactly, exactly. So all of the the problematic things that have come out in the last. Yeah few days because you know he's kind of a republican you know and it'll be interesting to see like how much of that sort of stuff being circulated virally and all that does that influence things or you know yeah it's yeah, hard yeah. to say but yeah so that debate is going to be on wednesday the 19th uh i'm looking at probably doing a drinking liberal event for that uh we may record there we'll see what happens so 
should be good. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, so what do you think about Bloomberg? I mean, he's polling. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. Well. Uh, I think he would be a very disastrous candidate if he managed to win. Uh, so I hope he doesn't win. There you go. Cutting edge insight. That's from, right. From Steve. That's what I'm here for. On that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I look at it and they say, on one hand, I appreciate the work that he has done around gun control. I think that's very important. Yeah, I mean, um, I've, yeah, But he owns sure. a media company where he said the media company is not going to be impartial. I do not like that. He is spending gobs of money. I really, really hate that. I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not okay with somebody coming in and effectively buying an election. And, and let's be clear, like, the number of people who are in a position like Bloomberg to spend that kind of money to win an election is very small. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking, you know, 20 Ten, people in the 20, country yeah. who have that kind of money. And so, like, even, like, you know, this all started with uh, Steyer was spending yeah. a bunch of his money. But he's, like, low billions. He's got, like, you know, a billion or two. Chump. So him spending $300 million or whatever in a couple weeks in a primary is big money to him. That He's going to feel that. I mean, yeah. that's not just a trip to Costco. Yeah. Whereas for, you know, for Bloomberg, it's the, you know, the change he found in his couch right. made of gold. Exactly. So he probably just gave the couch to somebody. Whatever you find inside, you yeah. can have it. No big um, drinks. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Um, presumably there's going to be a bunch of opposition research done on Bloomberg. The question is, how does that get out into the public? We've seen some of that coming out now, but you know, uh, I mean, he had some pretty racist policies as mayor of New York. Absolutely, and so, and ones he stood like that's by. That's not research. It's just like literally until he was running for president, and right. he's like, "Oh yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't do that anymore." Like the last time you saw him make a public statement about it was like three years prior, and it was very much like, "Yeah, yeah, no, this is a good thing." And I've seen people say like, "Well, he apologized for it." It was like, guys, he apologized for it last week after somebody. Right. It's like. Like Donald Trump, I got caught, so... Yeah, my bad. Yeah, like, no, no, this is not... Except uh, Trump doesn't even apologize. No, that's true. <laughs> so by He's that like measure, Trump he would be better. with apologies. Yeah, <laughs> it would be better. Uh, uh, the, and of course, speaking of Trump, he got in a Twitter spat with him. Yes. Because uh, of New York, right? Yeah, so Trump went on his little thing, uh, calling him Mini Mike Bloomberg which okay. I assume means that he is short. I honestly don't know. I've never I, really seen I, I don't know. a full-height picture of him. I, I, honestly, all I've seen him is web ads on my phone. Right. I can't get away and from him. And on Facebook. Yeah, and, and on the TV. Facebook. Web ads on TV. And, and then, yes. uh, what's his name, portraying him on Saturday Night Live. Yes. Uh, but then, yeah, he says... What, now, one, one thing I will take away from Trump's tweet that's interesting to me is uh, he said... Uh, Many Mike Bloomberg is a loser who has money but can't debate and has zero presence. You will see. Also, I like reading this in a very, like, thoughtful... Exactly. You will see. He reminds me of a tiny version of Jeb Low Energy Bush. But Jeb has more political skill and has treated the black community much better than many. I bring this up because I think this gets at what Trump's plan is for this campaign. And it is just cut off a sliver of black voters from the Democratic Party. They don't have to, sh it's not that they necessarily have to go vote for Trump, yeah. but they have to not be interested in yeah. either Mini don't Mike Bloomberg. Or don't, or, and that was part of the 2016 plan as well, right? It was, 2016 I mean, was It's all about deflating turnout amongst key yeah. demographics of the Democratic Party. That's the plan. 
You know who is rooting for Bloomberg? Fred Armisen, who needs the work on Saturday Night Live. Well, there you go. Portray there Mike Bloomberg go. all the way through November yeah. and beyond. So Bloomberg went uh, back at Trump, which I won't get into all of the tweet, yeah. but uh, called him a carnival barking clown, which I enjoyed. So that's your when Twitter update them. for the day. Oh, God. So I, I think we should take a little bit of time. So we're both people who have talked very favorably about Elizabeth Warren. Um, and her campaign is facing some struggles now. Third, yeah, I think it's just like kind of the state of the campaign after yeah. Iowa, after New Hampshire, like where we're at and kind of where her and Biden are in the grand scheme and, of this. And, right and I'll now. say in the notes you were uh, had a pretty dire <laughs> framing of it. I'm not the even going to read it. The yeah. phrase I used was circling the drain. <laughs> and I'm going to take a counterpoint here okay. and then I'll, I'll let you go. And I'll say, you know. There are some number of thousands of delegates that need to be allocated. We've allocated 30 of them. For sure. And in two very demographically homogenous states. So the idea that a campaign is of somebody who was a front runner is over at this point is a media narrative that only becomes fact if everybody buys into the media narrative. And I would say to you that everybody buys in the media narrative. See, this, this is the thing is I agree uh, with so you right. as, uh, good, as a principle good, good, good. that a lot of this is artificial construct of like how these, you know, primaries happen. And there are different demographics in different states and different candidates would have different ability to perform in those states. Yes, that's 100% true. But Iowa is always first, and New Hampshire is always first, and it always shapes the race because of how those things happen. And, and just for the record, we should note that there's going to be a push to get Illinois to be the first state. Yes. Because uh, we are the closest state demographically to the Democratic Party. Yes. I, so. I'm giving that a 0.5% chance of succeeding at this point, but, but who knows? Oh, man. We do um, everything now. We get everything done. I, I, here's the thing is... And I was having this argument with some people uh, online, as one does. Um, the problem I think that Warren has is that she had a clear sort of peak in her yeah. performance and her momentum and her polling many months ago at this point. November. Yes. Yeah. And she hasn't figured out a way to sort of recapture that. She had her... You know, I've got a plan for that thing. It was great, really well thought out. Yep. But there was no follow-on to it. And the there's only so many plans you can put out before people are like, cool, that's a lot of plans. That's a lot of plans. And so could she go into Nevada and, and reach out to, I mean, she has a, I think her platform is one of the best in terms of, you know, racial equity and justice. And she could certainly put that forward there and in yep. South Carolina and maybe regain some momentum. Take some momentum back. Take some, take some momentum. Um, I could see Klobuchar having a struggle in Nevada because she just doesn't have the resources to, to invest in Nevada um, because she's sort of gaining traction so late. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas Warren has more resources. But uh, I'm, I'm doubtful that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, right now, what it looks like is uh, Sanders seems to have the lead in, in Nevada. Now, once again, we don't have polling, 
uh, in Nevada, but we haven't seen any traction for Warren nationally um, that might suggest she's got something going there. So, you know, I'm at this point, in full disclosure, like after the New Hampshire primary results came in was the first time I donated to Bernie Sanders' campaign. Because yeah. I feel like the handwriting is on the wall at this point. I, I, you know, so Elizabeth Warren's campaign manager over the weekend posted something to Medium and sent it around that essentially said, we're sticking with this. You know, they've got the money to, to go through Super Tuesday. And they'd be, you know, everybody's going to stick around through South Carolina. Yeah. Um, one of the points they made was that there are only three candidates who have, who are currently polling above 15% in the majority of the districts available on Super Tuesday. Yeah. Which, again, you know, in a vacuum, you'd go like, oh, well, that's a big deal, right? So, and it's, it's, it's Biden and, and Sanders are polling above 15% in like 95% of the districts. Right. And Warren in like seventy percent, and then nobody else. Right. You know, like, but none of those. But but none but, of those polls have been updated since Iowa and New Hampshire. Right. And that's <laughs> so. You know, that's so momentum thing. is a thing. And well, um, and you know, and it, momentum is an entirely BS concept. But it's but it is a thing. Yeah. It, it does. It shouldn't mean anything. It's a true but it does. BS concept. Yeah. God. So that hurts. Uh, yeah. Welcome so, to our reality. You know, I'm I'm. I'm not optimistic about it. I mean, if she had gone into, if she had lost in Iowa and then made a, a strong showing in New Hampshire, if she'd been honestly even fourth, I I'd like pulling, uh, getting well, she was, fewer, well, less excuse than me, 10%. Excuse me. She was fourth. Yeah. Right? But yeah. getting less than 10%, Third. no delegates, like less than 10% is. Yeah. Nothing. It was like, yeah. Bill Weld got a bigger percentage of the Republican. <sighs> yeah. I, I just, I'm, that's, that's a hard one. Um, yeah. yeah, she so, beat Biden though, who's running on electability. Well, and that's yeah, and which Biden is done. Like I can see ways Warren comes back from this, but I don't see how Biden does. Yeah, I, I, I my guess is his support in South Carolina that has nominally been uh, amongst black voters in South Carolina, I think, is a paper thin yeah. level of support that once new polling comes out, we'll see that is gone. I, it's it is it is kind of crazy. Um, I think the debate next week will make a difference because yeah. um, we've seen a lot of late breakers in both of the yeah. first two. And honestly, Sanders has had trouble holding on to the late breakers. Sanders people are Sanders people. They were Sanders people before. We're going to be Sanders people. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how Biden spins a poor result in Nevada as well. Well, I think at this point he's like, I'm not worried about Nevada. He, he is trying to just buy time to get to South Carolina and thinks he'll he'll hold ground in South Carolina. He's wrong. Um, I mean, but, you know, it's it's easy for me to say that. You know, if yeah. you're in that position, like, you you know, this is your last hope and this is where you're putting your money, like, you're going to talk yourself into it. And, you know, if you're the campaign manager for somebody who's losing steam, you're going to talk about, well, no, we've got these grand plans for all these places yeah. because you want to keep your supporters on board. Sure. Because you don't want me going and donating money to, to uh, Sanders' campaign. Sanders having a good swag. And anyway. Yeah. Um, By the way, Sanders' swag sucks. Really? I'm just going to say. Like, it's, it's okay. 
but it's just like you know the Bernie shirt. I remember the 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 birdie sticker like and all that from last time. Yeah. Like that was much better. I, I really was not impressed with the swag Could, choices. So, uh, Senator no Sanders, billionaires tears. I know you're going to be listening to this on your on your private jet uh, to wherever you're going, and I just want to say, don't get angry with us. Just get us some better swag. That's right. I know you're right now. You're hitting the. Do not recommend. I know we iTunes. are all we are all equal in the socialist uh, landscape that you're set off, and we should all wear exactly the same T-shirt that has been designed by the state. That's how this works, right? Sure. Okay, now. I do. I do love that <laughs> joke. It is absolutely a joke. We don't believe that in any so, way, shape, or form. Right. Democratic socialism okay. is not communism. So one last thing I want to talk about with this is um, Sanders is currently seems to be in the lead. He's certainly getting the popular vote lead. The delegate math being a little wonky, he hasn't gotten that. And he looks set to do well in Nevada. The question becomes, if he manages to kind of keep finishing first in a lot of states, but is not able to get a a majority of delegates, what happens? I don't know. And that's actually what 538 is predicting now. Yeah. that the most likely outcome is that nobody gets a majority of okay, the Okay, cuz that was in second place and now it's now it's moved up to yeah. first. Okay. It's moved up to first. Yeah. So so that would God be God help us. Cuz that would be kind of a worst case scenario because yeah. if you look at the the breakdown of the delegates and who all's running, you see a bunch of more moderate yeah, cam, uh, candidates nominally rallying around a moderate candidate choice and the Bernie people being F you, I'm uh, I'm out of here and we've got yeah. 2016 ramped up. Yeah. I mean everybody's terrified. Yeah. And that's the bottom line. I nobody wants to make the wrong decision. It's good that everybody has the same goal, which is getting yeah. rid of Donald Trump. And they're so terrified of getting it wrong. Yeah. That they don't know what to do. Well, and, and I will say that is the one scenario I see Warren having a chance at this point is if she just sort of lingers for a while and they decide, okay, let's use, she's the compromise candidate, which I mean, is what she seems to be yeah. running for at this point. And I think she understands that that's where her. I mean, I mean, you could imagine a world where Biden drops out and supports Warren. I, I, I can't quite yet. I can't. I can okay. imagine all right, that world. All right. All right, I will try to get there. I'll try to open my mind. Open it up, man. Okay. Let it flow. Yes. Let it flow. So I think that pretty much wraps us up here. It does. Um, we would normally go into a local segment at this point. Frankly, we don't have a lot to talk yeah, about. We could talk right about now. Kim Fox. We could talk about Jesse Smollett being charged by a special counsel or whatever. Cetera. But. Um, what we're going to plan to do is uh, in a couple weeks – Leading up to the St. Patrick's Day primary, oh where my we'll God, be, that's be so enjoying our green beer. I don't ever drink green beer. I don't, literally, I don't think I've ever had a green beer. But anyhow. Uh, Good but we're going to do an election spectacular where we will talk about what's yeah. going on with the primary. You know, maybe talk about some of the local candidates we're interested in. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of build that part up. Maybe do a little less on the national side because obviously that's been dominant uh, since the impeachment got started. So. Exactly. And, well, you know, the next couple of weeks we'll have Nevada. We'll have South Carolina. There's going to be big. And I think that week before uh, Super Tuesday will be a combination of where we're at for Super Tuesday and where people should be looking at, thinking, talking to people yep. 
around the Illinois primaries because yeah, that's be going to be it's going to be crazy here, folks. Yeah. Crazy, yeah, yeah, I yeah. tell you for sure. Yeah. So uh, next week we're going to try to do something for the the debate. Um, you know, maybe do just a quick quick hit on that, but we'll kind of see what the news cycle does to us in the meantime and uh, go from there. So, anyhow, thank you for joining us. As always, rate us on iTunes. <laughs> yes, we appreciate please. you sticking around for what seems to be about an hour and a half worth yeah, of podcasting yeah. tonight. Because it turns out that for a day, a week would seem to have little news. There was a lot of news. There was a lot of news. Thanks, everybody. Stay warm, stay cool, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.